0: lobby talk radio the official podcast of the mandalorian mercs we're a costume organization dedicated to charity efforts around the globe attending events in mandalorian armor we've built by hand here on the show we'll keep you up to date with the latest fan community news visit our website at www.mandalorianmercs.com
1: hello and welcome to this month's episode of ktr i'll be your host hikari and with me this evening we have Takur. Hello there. Jaren. Good evening. And three new members of staff that you'll be listening to throughout the year to come. So I'd like to welcome Bofanny. Hello. Juro. Hello. And Coda. Hello. Starting off with some club announcements. So at the time of recording, the Clan Officer elections have started. By the time this episode gets distributed, the voting has likely concluded. Um, But if it hasn't, please make sure you go and vote. It's important. And please go see the announcement section for information on the 2023 trooping requirements, uh, as the requirements have now been updated and reinstated. In other parts of the club, we'd like to thank Havelock for his service as education officer, And again, at time of recording, the applications have been open and now closed, uh, so we look forward to whoever is selected for the next education officer. And finally, we welcome Kershey to the role of Exchequer, uh, and thank Ken Snaps for his dedication over the years and work put into the role to get the club to where it is today. So with all that out of the way, this month I'd like to concentrate on our new members of staff. So, why don't we start, guys, first or early memorable troop. Write yourself, Coda.
2: Oh, this was one I had to put a lot of thoughts into because I've done so many troops at children's hospitals that were really just wonderful to be at and to see the smiles. But I'm going to go selfish on this one. And I'm gonna to have to go with the very first time that I trooped the New York Yankees game and was able to troop on the field at New York at the Yankees Stadium. It was such a great time and as a huge New York sports fan myself to be on the field that Legends had walked on and it was just absolutely fantastic. It's a day I'll never forget.
1: That sounds fantastic. Um, I must admit, looking from across the pond, your sports arenas and sports nights, and I'm not much of a sports fan myself, are one of the few aspects I am actively jealous of.
3: Absolutely. It's one thing that we don't get to do over here, but always jealous of seeing you guys out and about like that.
2: It's really fantastic because you get a good mix of the clubs coming together to Really fill out these sports teams' nights. And I will say the minor league teams are just as good as the major league teams. And it doesn't matter what sporting event you actually go to, they're all absolutely fantastic and fun to be a part of.
1: Okay. So what about yourself, Bo? I know you've been in the club probably as long as I have, because we've, we've both held fair few titles around the club and made our way around.
4: Yes, sir. Uh, for me, the most memorable um, trip I've ever done was a uh, Christmas Eve for a young man in emergency uh, care. It wasn't a it wasn't a children's hospital, uh, but it was a local hospital that had a uh, just a small group of people show up for the, the young man who is going into surgery the next morning.
1: No, that's cool. I Again, where I say one of the few things we're jealous of, um, Takura and Jarin probably see this as well, hospital troops here don't really happen because there's a, there's a lot of differences, I think, in the way that safeguarding and things, the laws that are applicable for the UK make it more complex, but not impossible.
5: We've had the Dream Flight events in the past, but I think, yeah, that's that's probably the extent of it.
3: Yeah, Dream, dream Flight is typically out of hospital, but it is for um, disabled and, and uh, less privileged kids to, to be able to, to partake. The hospital troops are, yeah, very difficult to actually get organised um, or get in with because we, we find that, um, 501st typically uh, organize those events.
4: Now, I, I was very lucky because one of my uh, local members uh, was one of the security guards for the hospital, so he had an in.
3: Always helps when you've got an in.
2: Yeah, they're really hard to sort of put together here in the States as well, strictly because all the requirements and people have to be vaccinated with the flu vaccine in order to go. And you can't have that many people go to certain rooms because kids have certain illnesses and you don't want to get them even more sick than they may be. But when you do get those opportunities to go, it's really great to see a smile put on a kid's face, especially when you can stay in character and talk to them in character and take their mind off of what's going on for a short amount of time. It's really a great experience
3: uh, uh, yeah it's certainly something that would love to be involved with
1: and that just leaves us with Juro
6: hey so uh mine's my uh my memorable troops actually pretty similar to Coda's uh first official troop I had was uh for the Seattle Mariners game and um that was quite the experience uh Back to back photos, getting to be out on the stadium, it was it was a lot of fun, and I I'm really looking forward to the next time we get to do that again as well.
1: That sounds good. I've I've been doing a lot of thinking about this for myself because there's a couple of troops that stand out. Um, but I think the one that I'm going to talk about is the I got an opportunity to go say, international. Um, to visit some friends down in Duxon for Spain. Um, they have a massive gathering every year. It was an event called Metropoli, um, where not only the Mercs congregate, just about every other Star Wars group in Spain congregates. And it's... Um, the event organisers, put it this way, put on coaches to bring people up from the capital cities and further south. Oh, wow. Um yeah, and I think the 501st Spanish garrison is one of the largest in the world, so they, they had a fairly impressive turnout anyway. Um, but it's like, <sighs> this event is the, is best described as a hybrid between a Comic-Con during the day and like a celebration during the night. So there's very little sleep for about four days. Um, I think we call
2: that Dragon Con in the States.
1: Uh, yeah, I've never been to Dragon Con, but from from what I hear of the stories, I, I felt like I got the Spanish experience version of Dragon Con. Um, and uh, the the people I met there, I still talk to to this day. And one of the members, actually, Pep, our podcast editor, shout out to Pep, um, was an unofficial member at the time. He had recently joined the club. And despite me speaking almost no Spanish, and at the time, his English being... Great to communicate with. Um, there were still times that, even though I couldn't fully understand what we were talking about, he bent over backwards to make sure we felt accommodated and looked after. So, yeah, to this day I'll do any- anything for those guys in that clan because they made someone from across the seas feel welcome.
3: That's the way it should be.
1: Yeah. Mm, yeah. So all about yourself, Simon? Because I, I know... By the time that you came to Troop, I was already out there doing it, so probably got some early crossover.
3: Yeah, I think um, if you're talking memorable Troops, like there's, there's two that I would normally pull, and that would be my first Legoland event. Yeah. Um, my first time in armour at Legoland, where there's possibly about 300 costumers and 21,000 attendees at the park. Um, and standing there, looking down at possibly several thousand kids charging at you. Um, I'm not sure who had the biggest look of trepidation. Well, you couldn't see mine because it obviously was under the bucket. Um, But when the kids were held back, they were all a bit wary. But as soon as the gates were open and they charge in and they could see a squad or several squads, there was about 12, 14 Mandos in armor. Yeah. And they just charge in and they love it. Absolutely loved it. Just to see the look on their faces that they are upfront and personal with characters from Star Wars. Um, for me, I think the second time I did it, a friend of mine was there with her son and he had no idea it was me. And I just walked up to him, said, took his, told, told him his name, and he's like, how do you know? Does my mummy have friends in Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just the look on their faces... And it's always the kid events that that go like that because we've done, I think the the second troop has to be National Space Centre. When we go to the National Space Centre, again, it's a smaller environment. It's not quite so um, intense on the numbers. No,
1: I'm with you there. That was, yeah, being a space centre, it wasn't a Comic-Con. No. But it was very much about the learning and academia side of science and wanting to get kids interested in it. Yep. But with the overlay of Star Wars and selected guests, and-, and it was
3: it was it was one of the first times that we as a clan deployed our spare armor, because we have or we had they're retired now a couple of younger members, they were eighteen they were full OM, um, but they're on the smaller side, and their armor would fit um, a, a nine year old or a ten year old perfectly, um, so we actually deployed their old armor which they'd. Gifted to the clan so we actually had kids dressing as mandalorians and we That's had one of, and, and we had one of them because daniel logan was there and he literally went up to daniel logan with one of with one of Jaren's blasters and held him at gunpoint <laughs> and da- daniel logan just played along with
1: it and it was absolutely superb and and he was a very good sport he, he spent quite a lot of time out outside of his own commitments He did come and spend time with the clan, take photographs. Um, I think we even ended up on his um, Instagram posts because, again, we inducted a... um, An ally of the Mercs. Thank you. I was trying to think of the term.
3: Yeah, it was the first ally that was
1: inducted. Um, It's a a gent called Matt Booker, and he's got one of the largest privately owned Boba Fett collections. Um, He's also on a news team of his own, Fantha Tracks. And yeah, it was it was members of his own team that nominated him towards the Mercs because of his love for everything Fett. Um, and over the years has got to know Daniel. So again, Daniel came over to see him during that induction and spend time with us, which I think made it a bit more special for Matt as well. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, they, 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 we've, we've had some good troops. We've had some really good troops. And we're, we're starting to get them back now that we got through COVID. We're starting to get them everything programmed back in.
1: So Jaron, I, I heard you start talking when Takur was talking about Legoland. Because I guess that must have been again one of your early troops as well. I
5: think Legoland was, yeah, those literally my first troop. Um it was a scorching hot weekend and like with most of us getting out in armour for the first time, most of what I experienced was learning which bitch chafed. Um <laughs> But as as Taker said, it was it was amazing seeing all the the faces and the, the families coming through. Um, I think the one that jumps out at me sort of memory wise was probably the last big event we did before the COVID outbreak here. So it would have been twenty nineteen, November twenty nineteen. It would have what the last big Comic Con we did because it was oh MCM that was yes November nineteen. It was. And it wasn't just about us. It was we had a great presence there from all the other clubs. We had some great times out in the evening, mm-hmm. and a few memorable stories from that. Um, and it was just a nice big family type event. It was an exhausting weekend. It was a long drive, but it was just good to be out with everybody. Um, I think over lockdown, that's that's one of the things that's kind of hit the hardest. We just haven't seen those kind of big scale gatherings of people and it's still going to take a little while for some people to get back to it. Um, I think celebration celebration, will be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We'll start to see it again soon. Yeah, absolutely.
1: See, I I quite enjoy hearing these stories of of things we've done before because it helps remind me, I, I appreciate I'm, I'm not an old member, but I'm not a new member and I think I'm getting to the point where I forget some of the earlier days or some of the earlier troops, especially pre-COVID. And looking looking forward to what we can recapture um, with things like Celebration Europe this year and some of the smaller events that we get invited to yearly. and And just seeing on social media, everyone else getting back out there. I've missed that.
2: It definitely feels a bit surreal getting back out there because we're getting back to normal, but sometimes I feel we're still not there yet, if that makes any sense, because the gatherings, they're open and anybody can go, but yet they're still not as big and they're kind of smaller than they used to be. But they still have that same love when you get there and you finally see everybody again. So for me, it feels it feels a little surreal and i'm i'm hoping we could get back to the way we were sooner rather than later
3: i think that's probably a a thought that's that's shared by everyone or a feeling that's shared
1: by everyone yeah, yeah. definitely so shift shifting the the topic slightly here now that we've we've had some nice introductory stories from everyone um i thought it might be fun to talk about the different things people have done in the club over the years um, sort of like a little bit of a history for our listeners on especially our new members but our existing members as well um, so Takul I don't know if you want to talk about some of the roles you're doing at the moment or oh. what you've done in the past and maybe you're thinking you- about how they have grown your love for the club or impacted your time at the club is probably a better way of phrasing that for you i was gonna say where do you want me to start uh i cleared in what
3: december 17 um and by the following october i'd taken on at your request uh i'd taken on the role of within the club or within the clan i should say
1: it's Uh, probably worth pointing out that at the time i was Alarad. yes exactly um, and it was and it was before the time that the Law and, and Roos positions I, were voted upon. I think it was the last
3: time prior to the changes, because uh, our first year, you were elected into Alarad and then the positions were, well, you did a um, a CV request from all of us depending on what role we wanted to go to, and then I think the year afterwards was when when the elections started coming in. See, so, yeah, I did what three years as clan Verilor prior to, 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 yeah, three years as clan Verilor. And during my time as Verilor, I also served on the PR and art teams. Um, Saz brought me on board initially. And then I worked with, um, Darisum and JB Stuka. Um, I was the, the, the workflow manager for a while for the art team and, um, helped resettle down the workflow and, and, and refine the process. Um, I I, I think I I left that because of some health issues, um, which would have been hmm, 2021, 2021. Um, I took on the role of regional Versol in Europe, Um, took took that for a year, but then when we had the political issues in, in, in Europe and the UK went through the Brexit process, I didn't feel it was fair on the members of Europe for me being controlling or me producing the merch in the UK and posting it on at their, ex, at their expense. So I, I decided to, to, well, not I decided, we, <laughs> the regional commander at the time, we, we liaised and actually the Magister and I swapped roles. So the Magister became the versal.
1: Which, which I think made a lot of sense, because there really yeah. was a sense of unknown at that time, especially Absolutely. with how our border would change, mm. um, what costs would be involved, and yet yeah, no more free trade between the two.
3: Yeah, and I, I, I wasn't prepared for that. I think it was
1: sensible thing we did as a region.
3: Yeah, I, I wasn't prepared to do that to the members. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this club is my family. They've seen me through some hard times. Um, so I wasn't prepared to put costs on to the European members. So it, it was it was a fair exchange. So I've, I've given my support to the Versol and, 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 and we've swapped roles and I'm, I'm now the Magister. Um, on top of that, yeah, uh, I, this year when Celebration um, Europe was announced, um, I think one of the first things I did was, was drop uh, Mandalore a message and say, what do you need from the clan? Um, and I've spent the last what, eight months liaising with uh, the Galactic Senate and the 501st, uh, building and redesigning our stand multiple times.
1: Yeah, and only like 80 something like 80-something days to go at this point.
3: A, as, as of the day of recording, we have 82 days until celebration. Just 82? Just, just 82. 82. Yeah, just 82. <laughs> and I'm not stressed at all. I'm lying through my teeth, but I'm not stressed at all. (laughs) It's going to be a good event, but we'll talk more about celebration later.
1: So it sounds like you've had quite a colourful history, which I think probably leads us quite nicely into our next member. If I call upon Bovani... Actually,
3: I should say that I'm currently the Alarad for Vukchi.
1: It is clan election time. I am currently the (laughs) the elected
3: Alarag for Vok-G. But by the time this uh, recording is done, I may not be.
1: (laughs) So if we throw over to Bo Fanny, and we all buckle ourselves in, I believe you've had quite the the colourful history. Oh, yes. Oh, yes.
4: I became OM March of 2015, and uh, by the next year... Uh, I was asked to be a, a Um and at the same time I picked up Rousselor, I ended up joining the app team and tech team as one of the moderators. Uh, served on both those teams for three, three and a half years. Um, scared a lot of people um, that I found out later uh, on tech team doing the moderator duties. Um, currently serving as Education Exo, the and on Supply Team Customer Service, and I have managed to
1: <laughs> uh, F- finally ded- achieve your goal.
4: Dedicate my time uh, to my clan as well. Um, having served in uh, Alarad, Verlor, ruslor for multiple times, and uh, as a Rukabur for for a, a year. So I, I, I've been around. Um, it's it's been quite an entertaining and frustrating and and. And, well, back to entertaining again. So, um, I, I like doing tutorials and things for the education team. And it's been, it's been fun working on those.
1: Yeah. Cause I must admit, in, in, your history in the Mercs, we've, we've crossed over quite a few times on mutual teams. Cause again, when you joined the, the tech team back in 2015, that's, that's the first time I joined tech and have been here since. Um, right. But right. Yeah. We've, we've spent time together on things like the education team and being yes. up at XO now. It's, it's quite a... It's a very fun team, I found when I was working on it. Um, it it's... It's difficult to describe at times. But the, the... Coming up with guide ideas produces a lot of creative thoughts. And there's a lot of very creative people in that team that I get envious at times because my skill set seems to fall into documentation and making things read easy rather than having these wild ideas of, yes, that would actually be a really helpful topic. Why didn't I think of that?
4: <laughs> there, there are lots of great ideas, but not all great ideas end up being published because there's just not a way to do that. And, and formatting is, is an interesting in and of itself, which is a very helpful task, a very helpful uh, thing that our members do and it's one of the things that we miss you for, so.
1: Very kind to hear. So, throwing over to you, Juro.
6: Oh, uh, so my, my history is fairly short uh, from the official side. Um, I became an OM in June of 2022. Um, but I've been working on my kit and been pretty closely interacting with, uh, uh, with my, my clan for better part of three, three years at that point. Um, did a lot of, uh, handling beforehand and then, uh, shortly after becoming an official member, they, uh, Alarat at the time has, uh, thrown, thrown me into, uh, to Verilor position, right, right into the fire Figuring everything out. <laughs> hmm. Yes, I, I had one of those in Takur. There's, there's uh, yes,
1: you did. I want to pick up there that you said though that you've been handling for three years, and I and I think this is probably a nice topic we can we can segue to for a few minutes. Sure, because sure. I, I think it's always underrated the value that foundlings can get from actually going out to troops with clans and handling.
6: So, Absolutely. Hundred hundred percent agree with yeah, that. Like try. I learned I learned so much about how to construct my kit in a way that would be you know, able for a, a human being to to wear. I learned a lot of that with um watching a couple of our members like suit up at events.
3: I think that's probably the biggest thing that we've lost over COVID. We had with Invoke Chi we had twelve members clear from Foundling to OM without ever having done a troop because of COVID. Yeah. And when they first started trooping, it was like, oh, yeah, this is a bit different to putting it on at home. Whereas when you go out as a handler, you get to see how the kit's put together, you get to see how people cope, how they put it on, the order which people stack things. I mean, pick we all have broken own... bits. Yeah, pick up the broken bits. Uh, oh, yeah.
6: yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: It's one of the it's one of the things that I found great when I first joined I I handled for probably about eight months whilst I was building my armor or whilst I was being assisted to build my armor Um, but yeah it's an absolute key thing it's one of the things that we certainly try and push within the clan is get out there do events come along see how it all occurs
6: oh yeah yeah I mean and if you
3: can do that before you even start forming your own armor that will give you a clue as to as the route to take
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when I was watching the members put on on their gear, I had originally been like, I'm gonna go 100% magnets for all of my attach points and then after after seeing people be like no 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 magnets are good for some things but you really like you'll want snaps or or velcro for different things it it shifted shifted my position on on how i'm doing everything so yep i now have you know snaps velcro and i think i have a couple of spots for for magnets mostly just for holding like weapons in place in their holsters sort of thing
3: that's a good cool actually might have to look at that
6: yeah <laughs> um and it's also it's really nice because um when i was still working on my kit they invited me to throw my bucket in the uh in the cages that they had at the table and one of the things that just lit my face up was when we had a kid like run up and oh look at that one like point right at my helmet and i'm just like oh okay all right i gotta finish the kit i gotta do it like i gotta let's wrap this con up i gotta get home i gotta get working
3: (laughs) (laughs) so what what bucket have you got
6: uh, I currently have just kind of a, a standard um like modern grunt uh okay. bucket, mm-hmm. no no antenna attachment, no nothing fancy, just your standard you know t visor with some ear caps.
3: <laughs> yep. Uh, I think
6: probably the the only unique feature about it is the uh, the cheeks the the underside cheeks are a little bit taller and, and wider, so there's not quite as much of a, a ridge line between the T-frame the and the cheeks themselves.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's quite funny talking about buckets, because you describing your bucket head. made me turn to look at mine and realise that there's, I own four helmets, and three of them have come out of the same mould, because <laughs> I am unfortunately blessed with a melon head. So, back when Eternal Armouries existed shout out to brandon there um he did a death watch cast and because the cheeks sit a little shallower than a boba cast i can actually get it over my head so i have three of them we have a photograph from i think it was mcm
3: 2018 where nick was trying on different helmets and a lot of them couldn't go on much more than i know like a trucker cap (laughs) (laughs)
6: you <laughs> <laughs> always the cheeks the cheeks get stuck yep we have uh we have a couple members in Gurk that have the the opposite problem they have small heads so it's like three layers of uh of padding in their helmets trying to make it sit on their head all right or or they have to get special casts or or prints to
3: bobblehead to fit syndrome their head Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. But doesn't doesn't Cruiser do a, a a small bucket these days?
6: Oh yes, yes. Uh, I think it's the I think it's named after his uh, his wife, um, the Shortcut. I think that's yes. what it was called. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I I'm wearing a um a stout from Stein Industries, but I've got the large one which suits me perfectly. Um, in fact, you've not tried that one on yet, have you, Nick? I haven't.
1: No. No, the one I'm looking forward up to painting, which I still haven't got round to doing because it's going to be probably post-celebration at this rate, is I was lucky enough to get on the Annihilator runs from Stormseeker Studios because it's big enough to fit my head. (laughs) 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 But, Bo, I I understand you've got quite the helmet, helmet collection or probably better to phrase it as the helmet collection that you've pumped out and given away? <laughs>
4: uh, I have had quite a quite a collection, yes. I'm um, uh, mold and cast myself, so when I get bored, I just toss a helmet in and, and do the thing. But uh, my current helmet is actually a Target Boba helmet. But I'm in my office, and I've got six or seven helmets just sitting around me in various stages of, of finish via scratch-built, 3D-printed, or um, resin cast, but uh, yeah, I, I, I can't remember the no- amount of helmets that I have made and gave away or, or offered for a really fair price.
1: You've just got an addiction to building helmets.
4: It, it is a hobby.
1: I mean,
6: so it's a hobby. It's no right,
1: though. isn't it?
0: Yeah
6: but arguably helmets are like the most fun part of a kit you get to do, especially if you're starting out. That's how I started. My kit was with the helmet and it worked as kind of a style guide for the rest of the kit.
3: That's exactly what I was told. I first met the the Mercs at celebration 2016 in London. Um, And I was told if you get yourself a bucket, if you paint your bucket, give yourself your design, even if you decide to go no further, at least you've got yourself a display piece.
6: Exactly. Exactly.
2: I tell everybody the same exact thing. Start with the bucket and it sets the tone for your whole kit because I can't tell you how many buckets I've had on my same kit over all my years in the club. And I would switch out buckets and go, nope, doesn't fit. Nope, doesn't look right. Nope, throws everything off. And it's all because I based it off of a bucket way back in the day. Yep. and everything else I've put on just didn't feel right until I had one custom mo- um, modeled
4: Yes, that is definitely something that, that is a thing. Um, my first helmet was a, a pre-visla season four or five Clone Wars um, mm, nice I love that helmet it was it was what made me feel like me in my costume. Um, Until I I got to my current one. But even then, I I went back and um, have been working on a 3D printed one with a uh, Sharpie install in one of the Canons. So the Sharpie sits down inside and the Canon comes off so that the Sharpie is is, uh, available if somebody needs to sign something. (laughs) That's a a good idea.
3: Hidden compartments, yeah.
6: And I thought I was fancy just having mine hidden away in a couple of my pouches.
2: <laughs> my second bucket I had bought from Headshot Props. And I think after I got it all set up, my then Rousselor told me it wasn't approvable. And I was absolutely devastated because I'd put all this work into it. And it had tactical rails on the side and on the top. And I had to break down the whole bucket. Luckily, it was resin, so I was able to really hack away at it. But after I got it set up, I had so much love for it because I had to put all that extra work into it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until – was it 2021 that I officially retired it? But just putting all that work into it really made it so hard to retire that bucket after – drops and cracks and working on it for so long it really became like a staple of my my kit and i couldn't find another one to replace it until i had one made from scratch like it was i love it it's still on display in my house on my mannequin
3: it's actually a good learning point as well that if you've got foundlings out there listening in if you're looking for a bucket find something don't pay for it until you've confirmed it with your whistle or team or if need be, QA with the app team. One
1: hundred percent. Oh yeah, serving as ruse Law for a time in the clan. There was nothing more heartbreaking as a ruse Law when you know it's your job to go talk to foundlings, when they turn up at the forum and they're really, really excited because they've they've seen social media, I will say, and they've gone out and bought all these bits and they've they've come to see us. And we're like, we're going to do everything we can to help you, but I'm really sorry, but we're going to have to change this and this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Def- definitely. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's definitely one of the things we try and instill the hardest in our in our foundlings that come, saying that we will help you with every ounce of our ability. There is no doubt about that, but please talk to us okay. before spending your money, because we don't want you spending your money for something that can't achieve your goal.
2: Yeah. And it's heartbreaking, too, because part of the reason I had gotten the original bucket was because of the tactical rails on the side and to have to sit there and cut them off. And it's really funny because as I was cutting them off, I cut too deep and actually cracked the dome in the helmet And the crack in the hole, actually, I wound up using it as an aesthetic to my kit, similar to like a Boba dent, but it's not dented it's literally a hole that's filled in with modeling mesh on the helmet. And that sort of became the staple on all of my buckets. Uh, But it's, yes, definitely 100% double check always with any buckets because or any piece of your kit in general because it's, it's heartbreaking when you get there and you're like, I love it. It's great. Here's what I want to do with it. And you have to change your whole idea around.
4: And the thing with helmets too is you have to take your time with them or they will break or crack or chip out.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, Coda, while, while you were talking there, you, you've talked about being a long-time member of the club. Um, so I imagine there's, there's been a few different teams or clans that you've helped out with, because I think of all of the members here, you're potentially the member that's that's actually moved clans <laughs> more than anyone. And again, that's, that's something that I don't get to experience or won't really get to experience in the UK, because um, we already cover quite a large area, so if we move... I'll still be within our borders. Two federal governments and five states. See,
3: that's the equivalent of (laughs) 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 Vokchi.
2: Yeah, uh, to be totally honest with you, I have not done a lot within the club per se, but I've done a lot on the local level. Um, When I was with Falco, I was Alarod during the pandemic, Um, and then I was Verilor before that. And with Rocker Dawn, I just finished up a year as Verilor. Um, I spent a lot of my time working nationally on other clubs. Um, and my goal in the Mercs had always been to sort of help out locally because with Falco, it's a very unique situation here in New York because the state is huge and a lot of people think of New York as the city, but New York State as a whole is absolutely gigantic up north.
1: And as a as a naive foreigner, it took me into until adulthood to realize the con, the confusion over reading New York, New York. I was I always thought, why are you saying it twice? Yeah. Be- <laughs> It's, it takes a long time to realize it's New York City, New York State. Yes,
2: and it's what's even makes it even funnier is there's a, there's a lot of things that go down in New York like you have Manhattan which is New York City right, and that's New York, New York and then you have Brooklyn, New York and Queens, New York and Staten Island, New York and then you have Long Island but you don't have Long Island, New York, you have you know, the different cities within Long Island, so you have like Northport Long Island you, you know it's it's really it's an interesting place and then you go up up north and you have Buffalo and Syracuse and Rochester and all these other places but up north you have a lot of potential to build there's space up north when you get to the city and Brooklyn and Queens everybody lives in apartment buildings and as somebody who lived in an apartment building, trying to sand and cut resin buckets and Sintra and spray paint within an apartment is quite possibly the messiest thing you will ever do in a confined space, especially when using things that, say, have a well, be in a well-ventilated area. I don't think that exists in downstate New York. Like, I, I don't.
6: Um, and the whole time you're working on it, you're just like, don't spill anything. I need the deposit. Don't spill anything. I need the deposit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, when I was with my partner, we shared a crafting space. And she moved out of the crafting space because she was like, there's powdered resin everywhere from your, like, sanding and cutting of buckets. And, and I was like, oops. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It's a crafting
6: room. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> uh working working on my girlfriend's kit we uh i orbital sanded bondo in our craft room uh for the first and last time in the craft room (laughs) yeah i uh finished finished working um on her breastplate and like all right looked up and just like as i'm like looking around the room there's just this nice pink haze Coating everything and just floating in the room, I'm like, "All right, well, the respirator is not coming off."
2: It's it's crazy. I think there's the the most unique thing about I would say Manhattan is when people think of New York, they think of New York City, which is which is Manhattan. And <laughs> when you want to talk about the size of Manhattan, I believe the population is eight million people. It's only two and a half miles wide by 13 and a half miles long.
1: Like, it's... Yes, because I've seen this before with the comparison of the island of Manhattan to Darth Vader's Star Destroyer. Yeah. Yep, yep. Because of the Star Destroyer being so much bigger, yet having a significantly smaller population. And again, that's one of the things that really hammered home how high-rise Manhattan must be. It's, it's quite an – it's super impressive when you step back to
2: Brooklyn or even on the New Jersey side and you look into Manhattan and see the dense population. It's, it's insane. Now, it's a little more spread out when you get to some of the outer boroughs, but it's still very dense. And the fact that you can even build a kit in the five boroughs is a miracle inside of itself because you just have no space
1: but but i guess that must in a way drive members within those five boroughs to venture out to members out for things like armor parties
2: yes so when you a lot of the members of falco would and still do come out to jersey to uh build with with rock because it's Far, it's, it's only about an hour hour and a half drive to get into Jersey so if you're in the New York New York Staten Island Brooklyn area it's not too bad uh, When you get into Queens it's a little bit more of a hassle but what's again what's unique about New York is the traffic situation is not everybody has cars because you don't need a car in, in the five boroughs it's a very much a luxury to have a car in the five boroughs. So if you do, it's easy to sort of get Similar
3: to the city of London. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, But I think that is one of the biggest issues with getting members in Falco clan in, in the downstate is the build, you know, where do you build? Um, And I know in the past we looked at maker spaces, but wow. When I tell you the prices on everything, it's astronomical to just build and, though in New York you have everything at your fingertips and you can possibly find almost anything at any hour of the day. There's a premium on that. There's definitely a premium on the build. So it's a very unique situation to be a member of Falco in terms of building, in terms of events. Man, New York has some of the best events you can possibly do between comic cons and sporting events and charity events. It's, it is. The, I would say it's kind of the mecca of events.
1: <laughs> from speak speaking from as far out as we are, I can tell you the two biggest events I hear of is New York Comic Con yep. and San Diego Comic Con.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, oh, don't forget Dragon Con.
1: Uh, Dragon Con, yes, but I didn't learn about Dragon Con okay. until I joined the club. As a naive geek, before I even knew MMCC existed. I had still heard of New York Comic-Con yeah, and true. San Diego Comic-Con.
2: Yeah, New York Comic-Con is huge. And it's, again, it's very interesting because it's it's a place, the Javits Center, you can get to by car, but you probably don't want to drive unless you get in really early <laughs> and leave really late. Um, and there was a time that New York Comic-Con stopped inviting all of the... Uh, LFL groups it was uh, it was very interesting for a time they pulled back on that and you know recently they they opened it back up and Falco clan had a great showing this year at New York Comic-Con and it was really great to see them back there.
3: I know the Fantha guys who went out to uh, New York Comic-Con said they were welcomed by Falco and the other clans that were there so they certainly enjoyed meeting up again.
1: But I think all all of that to say, you've you've moved around a fair bit. But the real importance there has been local dedication, and I appreciate that. My, myself, Bo, Simon, we've all talked about serving on teams at the club. But sometimes like, I forget to put the onus on local mm-hmm. dedication and people willing to step up for local roles, um, because without it, clans yeah, won't I- thrive. And if you don't have those local people really dedicated to what they're doing, you won't bring in I've new said, members. I've said it
3: before. The Vokchi are my family. They are they, the, the clan is my family. And clan first, club second was how I always used to view things. I still do to a degree, but to support the clan, I found I had to do more within the club. And that's the same for the region. It's the same for anything we do. But it yeah, all have, starts. Uh, it's all starts at local clan level.
6: Yeah, I have a a similar sentiment as well for for Gurek clan. I don't I don't think I would be as deep into the club if it wasn't for my you know my found family here with mm. with Gurek.
2: I, I will literally say the former Allerod of Rockerdon clan is my son's godfather. And the former Verilor of Rockerdog Clan is my son's godmother, so literally we've we've literally become family because we've we've gone through the thick of it, and it it truly is amazing how close you can get with people. And I remember contemplating running for or applying for vice regional commander back in 2020, and. Really wanted to do it, but decided not to because I didn't want to leave Falco at that time. I I didn't know what was going on with the pandemic and what was going on, you know, with our membership at that time. And was just like, I can't – if I got this role, I wasn't ready to leave my clan. And I think that's why I've always – chose to stick stick it out sometimes to the detriment of my own personal well-being to stick it out with the local clan um and 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 i'm okay with that personally you know so it's uh it's really it it is family it it definitely becomes family after a certain point
1: absolutely no question at all so i think then just left on our chopping block as such uh, is Jags. I know you're currently serving in local positions.
5: Uh, I certainly am. Um, I stepped up in the middle of last year to become Russell Law for the Vokchi. Yep. Um, and I'm hoping to continue that this year. Um, I suspect we're going to be rushed off our feet in the next three months. Um, but we'll see what comes through the door. 82 um, days. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can
1: assure you from last celebration, yes, it will be. And this is a little shout out to the app team because it happens every celebration. It will happen with Europe too. There'll be a rush yeah, of so applications. I'm, so I'm going to get hit on
5: both sides there as um, I'm currently just gone through training and I'm waiting to be assigned to one of the app teams. So uh, yeah, I get get all of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think like you said, um, I've, I've, I in the past have also worked on a, a fair few of the teams, but again, during COVID, I, I took some time off and wanted to focus more on things locally. Um, I think we've got so many people, as you said, we had a lot of members that cleared in isolation. Um, they've never yeah. had the chance to get involved in any of the kind of like the family events or the educational events that we've had. And the, the last big one that we actually had last year was it was it was amazing to see so many people together and building again. And I really want to get back to that local level.
3: That was the Clan barbecue, wasn't it? Yes.
5: Yeah. Um, that's that's what really brought the club to life for me and I'm looking forward to hopefully hosting a few this year once Celebration is out of the way and people maybe need some repairs or they're motivated to build a new kit as well All those new foundlings will attract Yeah that's I've, got, a, I've I, got at least I've... two kits to fix myself so <laughs> uh, Only two? That's uh, four but... <laughs> <laughs>
6: Yeah, I've, uh, I've started buying fabrics and materials for a kit, too. I feel the need to craft again. I, just, I can feel the call. And...
1: Yep, it's there. I've, I've got plans for another kit. So I, I, I think that probably is quite in nicely, then, to wrap up with what our aims for this year are. And I think mine will be to finally do the third kit that I've been threatening Kur and Jarin that I'll do. And I think this year I really will do it. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <You> get sanding. <laughs> yes, I have a very big box of parts behind me that require filling and sanding, and I just haven't bought myself to do it yet.
4: Cabinet scrapers help a lot with that kind of
5: thing. Oh, yes. I think for me, eh, there are some personal issues to fix before I get into kit issues because I've, I've still got a lockdown weight that has to go. I think that's that's my primary goal. Once that's there, I'll know better what actually fits me. Like one of my kits will then be retired. One's going to be parted out for display materials. And then I think my first kit's going to be rebuilt to post-Imperial. I've got some ideas.
3: Yeah, I'm, I've i got a uh, fixed list for my latest kit, so I shall be getting that sorted and, and finally getting that through App. Um, but the big thing for me is to get the clan and get the club through Celebration Europe. After that, it will be, okay, where do I go from here? Do I do a post-imperial, lightweight kit so I can travel with it? Um, Or do I stick with what I am and just focus on on getting the clan forward and uh, expanding with fingers crossed all the new foundlings?
2: Yeah, I coined uh, 2023 is for me, is my motto this year. And I think definitely I'm I'm building a new kit, although I don't know if it's going to be club approved because I spent so many years following CRLs. And I think I just want to build for me personally. So definitely going to do that and just sort of focus on getting my old kit just touched up here and there and i think that's and trooping one a couple of times this year i think that's really going to be focusing on my personal self for 2023
6: yeah for uh for my 23 it's uh i have a couple repairs and quality of life items to fix on my my v1 kit and then uh all in those what 80 82 days and then uh then I think at that point i'll I'll really dive in on kit two and getting merch and whatnot going for for Gherk some more
3: hey if you've got any merch you can bring to trade always open
6: oh oh yeah i've been uh, I've been st- stacking up as much as I can so
1: okay so I think with that we'll move on to a bit of open Star Wars news topics. So at this point in the podcast, I just want to say we know that we've got various TV shows that have either just started airing, like The Bad Batch Season 2, or various TV and... Yeah, I think it's just TV things coming up this year in 2023. Um, Currently, yeah. It will be a no-spoiler podcast. There will be a time where we do talk about these things, but it won't be in the same month that they're released. Just to give our listeners a chance to, to watch... We do the same thing locally in our clan. I'm sure there's many other clans that have got spoiler bans for X amount of time in their social media discussion areas. Have you actually watched Andor yet, Hikari? I have not yet got past <laughs> the first episode of Andor. My, yes. I will get it. There.
3: <laughs> Hikari is normally the reason why we have a spoiler ban in the Vokchi. <laughs> to,
1: to be fair, it's the only thing that I haven't watched
3: that's true, but for, there was a period where you hadn't caught up with some of the games we were discussing
1: as well. That is also true. <laughs> well, on the topic of Andor, um, I saw a news article quite recently um, that someone had compiled the top 10 TV series that have been watched this year on Disney+. You mean 2022? In 2022, yes, sorry. Yeah. I'm still getting used to that change. <laughs> Considering how late in 2022 it launched, I think it goes some way to speaking to hearing, I hear everyone else still talking about it, that it made it to num- the ninth most watched TV show across all platforms and genres and everything on Disney+. Plus. It's the only Star Wars in the top 10.
3: I have um, to say, and I might get shot for it, but I preferred Andor to Book of Boba Fett. I love Fett. I grew up, Empire Strikes Back was my first ever film. I've been Fett fan ever since, but I preferred Andor
5: to Book of Boba Fett. I think I'd agree there and trying to keep spoiler free. Absolutely. It didn't have a lot of the cameos And it kept the gritty feel of Rogue One. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, again, much more down to earth. It wasn't about the big... All right, it was about the big stuff, but it was about what was happening to people day to day. Um, And a much more kind of realistic reflection of just life rather than big crimes and bounty hunts and battles going on on the Outer Rim. It was just people trying to survive. Yeah, absolutely. It, it 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 was
3: almost like the open world of Star Wars, rather than concentrating on key events, it was looking at the core life in the system. Yeah.
6: Yeah, so, it was it was really nice to have um something a little bit slower paced too. Because, um, mm-hmm. like the 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 previous Disney Plus shows it seemed like they were starting they were almost starting to do the same thing that movies do where they're trying to push so much into a smaller amount of time and i'm like guys you, you you have it's a streaming service you can you can space things out you can add more time to episodes take take your time that sort of thing you know it's fine um and it was it was nice to have a little bit more of a slower pace gritty it it almost felt like um like a blade runner sort of feel a little bit slower yeah. burn really mm-hmm. rich story though
3: oh definitely definitely a rich
1: storyline so,
6: for those of you that have,
1: have watched it, and I do still appreciate my disadvantage here, what shocked me about seeing that top ten? is because you've got the likes of The Simpsons at number one, but I think that's just sheer volume of content. Um, I think Things like Simpsons and Grey's Anatomy and other shows like that. Anecdotally at the time, it seemed like a lot of people I spoke to that aren't into Star Wars perhaps as much as we are had still gone out of their way to watch Kenobi, And yet it seems Andor has still beaten that out, even coming out later in the year.
3: Kenobi, I think there was a lot of hype around. But there are people out there who will have seen Rogue One as a standalone film, not necessarily as a Star Wars film, that have enjoyed the series as as Andor has progressed, just for the feel of it. My wife loved Andor, and she doesn't normally sit down and watch Star Wars. Well, she does because she doesn't have a choice, but she
2: loves. (laughs) it. Yeah, I think Kenobi was a very niche show. I think we think about Obi-Wan Kenobi as this beloved character, but I don't actually know how beloved he is around people who haven't actually watched that much Star Wars. Because if you look at the way things are going nowadays, people tuned in to see The Mandalorian almost because it was the only thing to watch on Disney Plus back in the day. So I can see people going from Mandalorian to Book of Boba Fett and then kind of dropping off depending on how you felt about Book of Boba Fett. But I do agree that Rogue One was a standalone film. And if you've seen that as its sort of own movie, you would – hop over into andor and i think people have also said it's it's different than a lot of the other star wars shows that are out there so it might have a more broad appeal to other people and this is coming from a guy who did not like rogue one and has not seen andor yet so
6: yeah it definitely had a more mature tone um and feel to it because like I, I still, you know, I still abide by what George said back in the day of, you know, Star Wars is for kids, but it's still, it still it was it was a refreshing take to see see Star Wars go dark and gritty a little bit. Yeah.
3: I'm a 47-year-old kid, so I'm
6: happy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I think that dark and grittiness is one of the reasons I flocked to Rogue One so much.
6: Mhm.
1: It almost captured that essence of Made me feel like Star Wars
6: again, but it was totally new and it
1: was totally different.
6: Yeah, yeah. Rogue Rogue One was one of those ones when I first saw it. It it wasn't my favorite Star Wars. It I I put it lower on my ranking list. Like it it wasn't up there. But then, the more I watched it, the more I got to you know grow a little bit more attached to the characters and um, you know especially after putting it into like a rewatch party, it. It grew on me. It grew on me so much. It's one of my my favorites now. Maybe I have to watch
2: it again.
3: Mm. I have to say with Andor, for me, because I do so much travel within the UK, I recognized quite a bit of the scenery as well. (laughs) Because (laughs) a lot of the filming was done certainly for the first half of the season a lot of the filming was done either within 20 miles of where I live or up in Scotland. So there, there is so much that I can see as I go through it. I watch it with a different view now. So I've, I've watched the series and loved the series, but I now watch it again and it's like, oh yeah, I've walked down there. Oh yeah, I know where that is. Yeah. So there, there's, there's different things for each of us to pick up with it. But um, I think it's definitely worth a watch for those of you that haven't seen it.
1: I will bump it up the priority list. Me as well. And it sounds like Code might be rewatching Rogue One if I pick that up during that talk. There,
2: I I might have to. I was not a fan of Rogue One. I left feeling like, oh, that was alright. I I don't know. Everybody is in love with Rogue One, and I I just I I didn't like any of the characters besides K Two S O, and I felt like. For a movie, I mean, it, spoilers, right? <laughs> at this point, I hope that people have seen it. But for what happened at the end, I, I feel that overshadowed it a lot. And a lot of the, the whole like, let's go do this kind of stuff was just done better in other movies. So I, I always left like it was OK, but I, I never saw the broad appeal of it. Yeah,
1: I can respect so, that. I'll have
2: to watch I'll have to watch it
1: again. It could just be my mindset hmm. at the time. On, only speaking personally, I think one of the things I loved about it uh, that's 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 pretty strong. I could appreciate how different it was in both terms of tone, storytelling, even the colour palettes they were using compared to, say, the Force Awakens. Mm,
6: mm-hmm.
1: It's just like, yeah, this is a this is a totally new way of doing it. This is a totally different from the the media we had been being given. Well, it, it it's
3: not totally new though because the Guilleries took it right back to how George filmed in the first time, first place.
1: Yeah, and I think because of my age, I've I have, I've I've seen the original trilogy, but I didn't see the original trilogy at the time it happened in the context of the movie world at that same time.
3: That's where I, being a little bit older, have a slightly different experience.
4: I have a little spin on it for you guys. Go on, Bo. Rogue One is basically a one-shot written in the same style that they wrote the originals, and all the newer ones are a continuation of
1: uh, different updated rule books.
6: That is <laughs> worryingly
1: a really good analogy.
6: It is. It is. It definitely um both the both the spin-off movies Rogue One and Solo felt felt like um Edge of the Empire campaigns to me. I really enjoyed Solo and I think
1: Solo got a really unfair time coming out so close. Yes, yeah,
3: Solo suffered
1: Absolutely. because of the release date.
5: Yeah.
6: Solo still sits as one of my favorites. Yeah, Solo Solo really did get get Put into a bad spot with how close it was releasing to uh, Avengers at the time, and then also being so soon after Last Jedi, which you know was controversial in its own right.
1: Oh, I, I think the other films it was up against may have impacted it, but I think the Last Jedi controversy and only being four months afterwards was a big hitter for it because it's yeah. such a pain for me because I I equate Solo to the Firefly problem.
6: Mm, mm-hmm
1: i
3: sort of the inverse solo being yeah yeah firefly was a fantastic series and then they had to wrap it up with serenity whereas solo uh, we
6: got...
1: oh okay in which case i'll clarify what i mean by that oh go on firefly was fantastic but was messed around in its airing order by, yep. the, by the production company and the network Mm-hmm. with a, we don't like the order you've released them in, we're going to release them in this order. The audience didn't take to it, so they moved it to a, to a night slot. So the audience didn't see it, and they almost used that as their justification to go, well, no one's watching it, so we're going to cancel you.
3: Right. I understand where you're coming from now.
1: It's utterly fantastic, but it was plagued by its release schedule. Yes.
2: You see, and this is what, uh, this is my issue, and, and I don't know if this is true, but I, I absolutely loved Solo, right? And I agree that it it definitely the timing of it sort of messed when it came out messed with how it was received. But I also believe that it kind of messed up Kenobi as well. Because I deep down believe that Kenobi was meant to be its own movie. And by putting it on Disney Plus, they extended it to make it a series and that really hurt it. So I think the ripple effects of Solo within sort of the Star Wars filmmaking has this huge ripple effect throughout everything.
6: Yeah, yeah, and I mean that that can that can also even be applied to um toward towards Book of Boba. I'm pretty sure most of it was re redone. I think they've thrown out the the script that they had had for for the Boba movie back in. Uh, I think it was what 2017, 18 whenever they were trying to come up with it. Um, but yeah, I do I do think that solo had some some pretty lasting repercussions throughout the Star Wars media realm. So
1: shif- shifting our focus slightly from films back to TV shows. Mandalorian season 3 really not that far away from starting now. And I'm led to believe there's a bit of a football event on in the US Monday night where they'll be airing the next trailer for it.
6: Yeah, I, I saw that uh, that news blurb because um, I was watching watching our team uh, unfortunately get knocked out of the playoffs uh, yesterday. Um, so I'd, I'd seen that there was some, some talk of of the next trailer coming in. I don't know personally, I don't know if I'm going to go ahead and watch the next trailer. Cause I'm a firm believer of once, once you know, you want to see the media that, that the trailer would be for just at that point kind of stop watching them just cause trailers start to spoil stuff these days. But, uh, I am very excited for, for everybody else.
3: Yeah. I, I'm a similar view. I watched the initial trailer. Um, but when they start throwing up the TV slots and things for the films, I start backing out. So I I may may stand back from this one.
2: My football team is out of the playoffs. Their season had ended before it even started. So I probably won't be watching Tom Brady because I can't stand the guy. So I'll just catch it on YouTube as soon as it airs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I will probably watch it um, because... History has taught me, if I don't, I will open social media and see bits of it anyway. So I may as well yeah. enjoy it in high definition as Lucasfilm intended me to see it. Just That's tell terrible. me if there's anything I need from the trailer for Celebration. I will do. Other yeah. <laughs> <All> things. <laughs>
2: I, I do have to say I think Disney does a really good job on their trailers and not spoiling too much. I I think Marvel does Marvel does spoil a lot in their movies just to get people to really go see them. But I think I, I think Disney does um uh sorry, Lucasfilm does a really good job in sort of putting just enough in there to make you want to watch and then throw a couple of curveballs.
6: Oh
1: yeah. I- I don't know if I fully agree with the Marvel point there. They they definitely put more in than Lucasfilm. I, I won't disagree with that part. But it's like Endgame had three or four different trailers, and you're thinking, Christ, they must have just given away the entire plot film to realise all of it came from the first 20 minutes of a three-hour film.
2: Yeah, but then you get Spider-Man No yeah. Way Home, and it's it's like, hey, surprise, guess who's in the movie? <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: fair enough. What I will be interested to see, and it's probably not the deep dive for now, is what Marvel do moving forward with their trailers, given some of the at least attempts at legal controversy surrounding them at being misdirect- misleading. Well, that was like mm-hmm.
2: with the whole Hulk thing, right? Where Hulk was in the um, endgame trailer and then he wasn't in the movie, right? Hmm.
3: Ah, uh, yeah, that's that. That that's looking at another court case that's been going on recently outside of Marvel, though, as well, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yep. It's like the yeah. Doctor Strange trailer um, showed things, that when you watched the film, and I'm going to say it's been long enough now, without giving spoilers, but it's spoilers, the characters shown in the trailer are not the characters that end up in that same scene in the actual film. But if they had a few yeah. the characters that ended up in that scene, it would have just given away the entire film. So yep. I totally get why they've done it.
6: Yeah, and I mean, it's it's very interesting, especially, like, the age of film that we're in where you can just easily put in a shot that's just not in the film. I mean, going back to Rogue One a little bit, like, look at all the trailers that were were for that and look at how much cutting room floor footage made it into those final trailers. Mm.
2: Well, that's also because it was rewritten, too. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, so I think that it's is somebody who's worked in the film industry, it, your film is made in the editing room. Like you could have so many different ideas of what you want to do and what you shoot, but it really comes down to the editor and the director at the end of the day where the, where the film sort of like builds its luster. And with Rogue One, I I really want to know how that was supposed to sort of go and and what the original cut was just because I want to see what those scenes were supposed to tell because they were so – where they were cut, it was like I couldn't tell. And sometimes you can tell when you see a scene in a, in a, a trailer that's not cut in, into the movie. You could be like, oh, yeah, I see where this and why it was cut or it's on the DVD extras. But in, in Rogue One, I, I couldn't tell. And, and that I'm really curious about. It wasn't there a
5: case where uh, – was it the The Last Jedi – The royal premiere and someone had to someone from the cast had to go into explain to the two princes that the cameos they'd had filmed wouldn't actually be in the premiere. That was, yes.
3: Yeah.
1: But it wasn't it wasn't just them, was it? It was it was half a dozen sort of quote unquote celeb cameos that also hit the cutting room floor along with the the princes. And that's Mm -hmm. probably why.
3: Knowing who the cameos were,
1: and yet Daniel Craig got kept in. Ah, Force Awakens, that's true.
6: Well, and it's all you you can't you can't cut out James Bond, right?
1: No, as Simon, I've just confused the first two films. But you're absolutely right. You can't cut out James Bond, no.
3: No, that has to be the coldest trip I've ever done, which was the oh. la- was the Last Jedi um, premiere.
5: Minus four for nearly seven hours. Oh boy! Stuck oh my it, God. Stu- stuck in a fan pen.
1: That's which painful. luckily we weren't in costume. We could wrap up warm. We were allowed to bring our buckets, but yep. members of the Rebel Legion were asked to to don costumes from the film, and again, she won't be listening. But shout out to Becca. In her ray costume, which effectively is exposed shoulders and upper arms in, in her
3: Jaku Ray costume. Yeah. She was a blue ray by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and and we had um was it Liv in her um, New Hope layer? Yes. Liv was lucky though because she had Paul Smith behind her in his Chewy, so she was getting Chewy cuddles all the time.
1: And if nothing else, it's a, it's a fairly nice big windbreak.
3: Yes, that's true.
6: <laughs> Something uh, about a big walking carpet? <laughs> Pretty much.
1: <laughs> um, so, Takur, to, to, to finish off, really, shall we just have a little update on Star Wars Celebration? Because I don't know if anyone's told you, but it's only 82 days away. Only 82 days?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. Where do you want me to start? <laughs> um Okay, so this has been a, a small project. Um yeah, just 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 something small that's been going on for eight months. Um we have approval from Lucasfilm for the proposal that we put through. Um we are um, working with our Galactic Senate partners to produce a fairly substantial size booth. Um, the Volunteer schedules are out now on the um, OM sections of the forum because uh, I'm looking for, put it this way, we've got five shifts to fill and I need a minimum of 18 people in armour per shift to man the stand. Um, we have some nice, there are a few projects that I can't talk about that are coming onto the stand, um, but there's a special project that, that Mandalore gave me that's uh, in hand. Um, But we have the normal sort of the Jail cell. We have uh, Mandalore's throne. Um, Because it's the 40th anniversary of uh, Return of the Jedi, we have a large um, Endor deployment, which we're working with the Rebel Legion on. So there will be a full Mandalorian armory. Um, We've got the Sundari throne room that's being built. So we've got different bits and pieces that are going on. Um, What I'm working on at the moment with a couple of our partner groups is the saturday night meal um so where where we've done man uh, the mercs meal in the past this will be a galactic senate meal um yeah i'll, I'll leave that there for the time being because whilst it's going ahead on the saturday i don't want to give away what we're actually doing because we're just waiting for contracts to be signed so if, if there
1: are no come on if people have got questions is there a place on the forum they can go to to post up to get them answered to volunteer for shifts yeah, the, the shift,
3: the the volunteer shifts schedules are um, on the forum at the moment, um, under the OM discussion board. There will be a lot more information being posted in the coming weeks into the open cellar board. board. Um, I've already put information in there about the um, transport situation that weekend. But yeah, if anyone's got any questions, um, if you can't see a thread on the forum, by all means, um, PM me, Takur T A K U R. Um, and i'll i'll give you what information i can or i'll point you in the direction for the right information but things are progressing um, the clan are deep in build um, in fact uh, jarin has um, a few bits to finish off i believe a few <laughs> yeah we have uh, we, we we have a team that are working on each of the different in, um, environments that we're deploying um yeah we're just waiting for the for the final um, contract to be signed, and we can get in and uh, push the scenery and get that sorted. There is a um, fundraising patch on the new store that's being done by the EU Verilor, uh, sorry, the EU Versal, um, which is to help us fund the um, production of the stat, um, mainly Tom's special project, Mandalor special project because um, that's that's a nice big one to do. Um, but there will be other, other things coming along, I believe, from discussions with the Quartermaster. Um, but yeah, more information to come, but we are deep, deep, deep into getting the final set
1: sorted. That's excellent to hear. And I suppose if, if we get the uh, similar questions coming in, it will help the... Star Wars Celebration team build up a bit of q and A. Q&A. Yes,
3: absolutely.
6: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm quite excited to get the uh, those patches. They look pretty good. I uh, may have been spying on them when they were going through the approval process.
3: Nice. Yeah, we, we've we we've we've done the patch design so that each club is using the same core size. So it's not a puzzle patch per se, but essentially it's almost like a a beehive. The patches will all be 80 millimetres in hexagon from flat to flat so that you can collect as many from the different clubs and and have them laid out however you like. So there there was was method behind the madness.
6: I will have to go uh, hunting for some extra patches then, it sounds like.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pat. Pat, there's a few things we're looking at at the moment um, for galactic senate level patches, as well as club level.
1: Well, thank you for the update, there, Takur. That's been very helpful. I'm. I know I'm certainly getting excited for it now. It is actually officially being saying this year.
3: I I, I have been excited for it. I'm. I'm just trying to temper myself at the moment because it's a difference between fear and excitement um just because of how close we are to the event but um yes you you will be my my number two on the stand so definitely
2: fear is a good thing that means you're on the right path
3: yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) I, i know i know we're on the right path it's just getting the
1: final set and everything in place but not too far down that path that might lead to the dark side (laughs)
3: <laughs> hey, they've, got, they've got cookies
6: <laughs> you know I've been told this but anytime I've been around the 501st guys they never have cookies
3: no we, we have a tradition in the Vok well I say it's tradition it, it, uh, I was told it was tradition I may have just been me being pranked but ever since I've been a member um, first troop for an OM they are required to bring the cake so it could be cake it could be cookies
5: <laughs> that's why I bake chilli and chocolate cookies there you go. <laughs> we, we, we
3: have a, a, a new OM whose first troop potentially will be Celebration, and they've already said they're bringing the cookies. What I haven't told them is how many OMs we're going to have on the day for them to provide cookies for.
1: <laughs> if it's anything like the last Celebration, though, and I hope that it is, our European counterparts will also bring dishes that travel from their countries. That would be nice. I know I'll I've done what
6: I, uh, I'll see what I can sneak aboard uh, the the flight over.
3: I've donated a coff. I've donated a coffee machine for the management
2: area. Excellent. No, you gotta throw fish at people like at the Seattle Fish Market.
6: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see if I can uh, if I can check a uh, a nice little salmon for you guys, and I'll just start uh, a. <laughs> hucking them out from uh, from the <laughs> throne room, right? <laughs> <laughs> Got to get I that know. nice uh, nice chant. Hey, oh, I like getting thrown on them. Just,
3: <laughs> just watch out for the Saber Guild knocking it back with the lightsabers.
6: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I think with that, I'd like to once again thank our new members of the team, I look forward to what it is we're going to produce this year. And for our listeners, it should provide a bit more varied voices to listen to than, than three Brits.
2: Oh, yeah, because that New York accent is so great to listen to. <laughs>
6: <laughs> is that the uh, that's the next accent to get canonized, isn't it? I mean, we got we got Boston and uh, what was that? The almost Celtish. I got Kiwi. Yeah,
2: I'm waiting for a true New York Star Wars character. I'm, I'm waiting for it.
1: I think you'll. I think you'll still be wishing there, Coda. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that, I hope the listeners have enjoyed this month's episode of Kildari Talk Radio, and we look forward to speaking to you again next month.
0: This has been a production of the Mandalorian Mercs Costume Club. If you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed on today's show, please visit www.mandalorianmercs.com. The Mandalorian Mercs is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright 2009 Lucasfilm Limited. We hope you enjoyed our show, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Please email podcast at merks.firespray.net. Until next time, happy hunting.